all of us. And um, I don't think it's by accident as sought to schedule the sermons that today is the day that we celebrate James. He graduated yesterday and uh, he's officially an adult. He turned 18 already, but officially, you're not 18 yet, are you? I got that wrong. For what? 13 days? The 13th of this month. 613. So we get to party again, James. Sweet. Can we go to Chuck E. Cheese? You know, something real mature like that for your 18th birthday? But I think it's appropriate as we continue in this journey uh, talking about spiritual warfare, today comes to um, the second piece of the armor of God. And uh, James, as he's beginning out on his life, and many of you can look back and remember um, that day, that moment, that week, you graduated and you kind of look out with wonder of what's going ahead of you. Some, some of us had very clear plans. Some of us had no clue what to do. I was still 17 when I graduated. I wasn't going to turn 18 for a little while longer. And uh, so that during my senior year, I wanted, I wanted to check out the military. And so I went and took my ASVAB test and I scored really well. I wanted to go into the Navy. My, my mom's oldest brother was command master chief of the Navy. And I thought, well, he's the highest enlisted officer in the Navy, I could get special treatment. I could go to San Diego or Hawaii or something, you know? And uh, of course, at the recruiting office, they told me such. They told me, told me I could do whatever I want and go wherever I wanted to go if I joined the US military. Then I called my uncle and he said, they're lying to you. They get paid if you sign up. But I still was going to go into the Navy because I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. And then, a couple of weeks before my 18th birthday, I found out the awful news that my mother was not allowed to go with me. <laughs> so I really didn't have any clear direction in my life. James uh, certainly has uh, a lot more direction in where he's going and what his plans are as he seeks the Lord. And... Uh, I didn't have that kind of direction. Some of you had even more strict direction than what James is uh, doing. He, he, he kind of knows where he's going the next few years. He believes he wants to go in a certain direction, and he's seeking the Lord about that, and his parents are helping him and supporting him. And, but some people, uh, some people didn't have the family support like James does. Uh, some people uh, really were just glad to be alive by the time they're 18 and uh, weren't really sure how they're going to put food on the table and survive. And... Um, the, the battle that we all face as children of God in the spiritual warfare of Satan trying to hinder us and God trying to grow us, that battle between giving into the flesh or giving into the Holy Spirit, it really, um, it really takes off as you step into adulthood. And you start having to make choices for yourself and you start having to deal with the consequences of your choices a little more than when you were a child. And uh, so as James launches out into life, this is a, a great observation today from God's Word to help him, but a challenge for every single one of us in our walk with Christ. I feel like the Apostle Paul sometimes, where he, in Romans chapter 7, where he said, uh, there's some things that I know I'm supposed to do, but I don't do them. We were hanging out with Brandon uh, Friday night, and he yelled at me. I was standing, he was sitting at poolside chair and I was kind of standing up next to him and he saw this spot right here that's getting bigger again and he said with much contempt pull that slide back a little bit yeah he said with much contempt you're putting weight back on aren't you well see what had happened was 
He said, I don't want to hear it. You know what you're supposed to do. Get yourself in gear. You were doing so good. Well, I haven't put all the weight back on. Oh, okay. That's better. <laughs> Eva hadn't come home from work yet, so he's still, he was still a little grouchy. And that, I, I feel like the Apostle Paul so many times in, when he said in Romans chapter 7, I know these things I'm supposed to do. I don't do them. And there's a lot of things that I know I'm not supposed to do, but for some reason I keep doing them. And he said, what, who's going to deliver me from this body, this contempt, this battle that I face in my flesh? And that's the spiritual warfare that every one of us face. Do you, do you have the same thoughts as you consider your life? Am I the only one? Do you struggle with your spirit? You struggle with your attitude? You struggle with your heart? I told you last week I'm studying the tongue and learning to tame the tongue. And really the tongue is the end result of the real problem. Right? It goes, first of all, to your thought life. And then it goes to your heart, your heart condition. Hey, pull the bass out of that just a little bit. <clears throat> I switched mics because the other one was bothering me and we didn't have a chance to get it dialed in. So if I'm not the only one that struggles with that because, you know, we like to say we're all human, right? But we say that as an excuse sometimes, don't we? Well, we're all human, so don't judge me, right? You take the first couple of words out of that passage in Matthew and take it out of context. Well, don't judge me, we're all human, but the struggle is real. Satan will tempt you to do the things that you're naturally drawn to do. And God will be convicting you away from those things into righteousness, into holiness, and into what pleases him and what builds you up as a child of God. See, here's the problem. Satan will tell you, oh, this won't hurt you. It's fine. Hey, nobody's probably even going to know. So, I mean, you're never going to get in trouble for it. So just do it anyways. Satan will convince you this is really going to help you. It's going to satisfy you, so just go ahead and do this. When God's saying it will destroy you, throughout God's word, the only result of sin is destruction. The book of James uses the word death because death is the ultimate destruction. It causes the death of something in your life. And so in Ephesians 6, we're challenged by the Apostle Paul as children of God be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. I'm going to fix this real quick. Hang on just a second. I'm going to help you, Nick. That should help. Put on the whole armor of God. So, <clears throat> what did I ever do to you? Crazy speakers. Want to switch to this black one so we just, we'll figure it out later? All right. Switch back to this handheld mic like a TV preacher. All right, we good? All right. If Bill Gaither said if Satan going to get into a church service, he's going to do it through the sound system. Bill Gaither's a prophet. All right, Ephesians chapter 6. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. It's possible that we stop with certain pieces of the armor. Oh, I've, I've got this on. I've got the belt of truth that we talked about last week, so I'm okay. But he instructs us, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes or the wiles of the devil. 
We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You may be fighting against yourself. You may be fighting against your flesh, but the real battle is spiritual. Connor, put verse 12 up there. The real battle is spiritual. You're fighting against Satan tempting you. You're fighting against demons trying to attack you. You're fighting against the influence of society on you. You don't think it affects you? (laughs) Count how many hours you're letting media, whether it's social media or the newspaper or the TV or the Internet, affect your mind compared to how much you're soaking in the things of God. So this is a spiritual battle in verse 13. So take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, stand firm. So stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So I want to challenge you today as we focus on the breastplate of righteousness. Last week we talked about the belt of truth and the way their garments would have been. It would have been like a knee-length type bathrobe kind of thing. That's the closest thing we can relate to it. And um, the, the soldier before going into battle would then fasten up the loose parts of his garments into his belt so that he would be able to fight, he would be able to run, he would be able to uh, go against the enemy as he needed to, and he would not be hindered by those garments. And so the belt of truth is we many times get hindered by the lies of Satan, whatever that might be, whether it's bad doctrine, bad theology, or whether it's um, tempting us and, and trying to draw us into sin or attacking us about ourselves. And we talked about some of the lies of Satan and uh, some of the things that he pours into us to defeat us and to destroy us. Today we come to the second part of the armor, the breastplate of righteousness. Now if you think about what the breastplate would cover, it would, be, it would cover the midsection as much as possible without hindering you from bending. So it probably would leave a little bit of midriff open with your clothing underneath covering, but enough that you can bend. So you can kind of imagine this breastplate. You can bend it, you can turn, you can twist, um, but it's heavy so it will, um, it will protect you against a sword stab or a, a javelin or an arrow that's coming. Uh, any kind of hand-to-hand combat, that that chest plate, that breastplate of righteousness would give you the protection that you need in probably the most vulnerable areas. Your heart and your lungs are here. If one of those are pierced through, you are done. If you pierce through a lung, you've got just so much time to get help. And in those times, the medical care, if you got pierced through through your lung back then, you're done. You're just going to suffocate. If you get pierced through in the heart, you're done within just moments, right? Seconds. Your other organs, you you need to protect those because as your body is under intense stress from the physical battle, you've got to have all your organs functioning correctly. And so this breastplate is going to cover a, a very precarious portion of the body. Probably the the largest target area. Now you can you can take a wound to the belly, and as long as you stop the bleeding, you can you can live through it. 
Uh, Brother Sonny, I don't know if this is included in your LTC class, but I remember years ago um, a police officer telling me, if you're ever under attack, shoot someone in the gut. You won't kill them, but they'll bleed enough that it scares them to death. They'll just lay down and squeal, most, of the pe most normal people. I guess he wasn't thinking about if I was getting attacked by a criminal, they're probably not afraid of their own blood. And anyways, but um, you can take, you can sustain a wound to that lower gut area, and it'll cause you to lose a lot of blood. But if you can get the bleeding to stop, and it hasn't hit any major organs, you're okay. And so you can still probably fight. You can pack the wound. You can still uh, get help. But this breastplate is going to cover all those major organs, the soul of who you are. We use the heart as the seed of the emotions. We talked about that last week, how in Bible times it was bowels were the seeds of the emotion. And we're actually going to read a verse where it includes that um, and how funny that would be to tell your loved one. You know what? Let's just practice right now. I'll, I'll give the example. My wife's here. Come on, husbands. You ready? I love you with every bit of my colon. When I think of you, here's the best part. It moves me. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> She's like, why, why do you have to bring me into your sermons? <sighs> but that, is the, that was the seed of the emotions at the time. And so um, you're covering the most inner part of your being, but also now your heart, right? We, we say, I love you with all my heart. It's going to protect your heart. It's going to protect your lungs. And your heart, the Bible refers to your heart as the soul of who you are, the, the, the person of who you, the scripture tells us, protect your heart, guard your heart, because out of it flows all the issues of life. So if you become wounded and grow bitter, what's going to flow out of you? Bitterness, vinegar, it's not going to be pretty. If your heart is broken and you're wounded by somebody, you're going to have issues of trust and you're going to have issues of showing vulnerability to somebody that you grow to love later on in life. The heart is really at the core of who we are when we're speaking emotionally and spiritually. We, we use the term that we invite Jesus into our heart. That's not necessarily a biblical term, but it's a good illustration that we're, God is engaging us as he draws us into himself for salvation and he dwells within us. And having the breastplate of righteousness, <clears throat> I love that it challenges us with that word righteousness. So when you are saved, when you're saved, you are made right with God. That is a condition, a position. So if you're a child of God, you are eternally righteous. Okay? Get that inside of you. That is biblical truth. You stand as righteous because the righteousness of God has been extended to you as a child of God. Now, you still have choices every day on whether to function in righteousness or function in sin. So you still have choices every day to crucify the flesh and to honor God's word and obey God's word. Let's let's read a couple other uh, passages of scripture that kind of talk about this. Um, uh, let's go back just a couple of chapters to Ephesians chapter four and uh, verse twenty-two. So we're challenged here to put off 
our old self, which belongs to the former life. Corinthians 5.17, you're a new creature in Christ, right? So the old self, the, the fleshly sins, the things of this world, belongs to the former life. It's not who you are, and it's corrupt through deceitful desires. And we're challenged to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So who we are, where we stand as righteous and holy is because of what God has done. He has set us apart. That's what holy means, to be set apart for his purposes. We stand righteous because the righteousness of God was extended to us in Jesus Christ. However, day in and day out, we still have to choose. Put off the former things of the former life, the sinful flesh. This is what we call sanctification or discipleship. Submitting more and more to Christ every day. And so I have the I have the choice every single day in my behaviors. I'm going to start my day with prayer and Bible study. I'm going to put on Christ. I'm going to start my day. My foundation of my day is to put on righteousness, put on that breastplate of righteousness, filter out the sin and the junk of life, Romans 12, 2, and be renewed in my mind and my spirit by the word of God. So I, I start my day. This is the challenge of God's word for us, to get in the word and begin in prayer because without that foundation, without soaking in the word of God, we're going to get outside and we're going to get challenged. We're going to get tempted. We're going to get tested. And we're going to be drawn into sin. And so if we haven't fed ourselves spiritually for the day, we're going to struggle as we get out there into this life and in, in our temptations, whether it's what, no matter what your course of life is, Satan's going to come at you and tempt you, whether it's in your attitude, whether it's in your choices to sin or to not to sin, whether it's gossip or murmuring or whether it's sins against your flesh, whatever it might be, Satan is going to tempt you. And so you need that spiritual strength first thing in the morning. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Is it, Brother Charles, or is that just a myth? It is. The most important meal of the day. My wife yells at me a lot. No, she didn't yell at me. She reminds me. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Eat breakfast. I do. Sometimes it's at 12 or 12.30. I just, I don't think that's the point, is it? That's not the point. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day, just like starting spiritually in the Word of God. Before social media, before you check the news, before you check the weather, before you check the sports standings, before you check the hunting and fishing report, before you check the stock market, whatever it might be, get in the Word, get on your knees, and start the day choosing to put on the new self. So positionally we are new, positionally we are righteous, positionally we are hope. Uh, holy, but we still have to choose our behaviors every day. And so if you go over to Colossians with me, go to uh, Colossians chapter 3. So it's past Ephesians and Philippians, okay, towards the back. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. This was our lesson in the teens this morning with our Bible study. And we're, the same language is used here as was used in Ephesians chapter 4, Colossians verse Chapter 3, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Your King James says bowels of mercy there, if you're carrying a King James. Kindness, 
humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love. Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That phrase, put on, continues throughout these verses, and that's the challenge for us every single day in our life. It's a choice. I put on Christ and put off sin. So, I have to, when I was saved, I, I made a choice to respond to Christ as he was drawing me to himself. I did nothing in, in that transaction. Jesus did everything. I accepted what he had done. I engaged and embraced what he had done. And I put on Christ for eternity. But I still must choose every day. And as I walk this journey with Christ, some days I succeed and some days I fail. Some days I make it till lunch and then fail. Some days I don't get out of bed and then fail. <laughs> That's the battle with the flesh. I have to choose to put on Christ. And I remember uh, a conversation I was having with my mom a while back about this whole you know, weight loss thing. I inherited that struggle. I'm going to blame my parents. I'm going to go on Oprah and blame my parents. But... Uh, I was talking to my mom. I said, man, I've been doing so good, and then I fell off the wagon. She said, you know, we all have bad days. She said, but you'll be surprised how quick you'll get your results back if you jump back on. And that's the same thing spiritually. Okay, you're, you're going to have a bad day. You're going to sin. There are days you're going to walk in and kick the kids and yell at the cat. I mean, you know what I meant. I did that on purpose. There are days you're going to lose it. There are days you're going to lose your testimony to others. There are days you're going to fail. There are days you are just going to shine like a trophy of grace. Somehow by the power of God, God got a hold of you that morning. The Holy Spirit has total control over you, and you go through the day, and, man, there are missionaries in Africa that can't do more for Christ than you did today. <laughs> and then tomorrow comes, right? <laughs> And you realize you failed. You realize, man, I, I blew that. Testimony at work or at school in the neighborhood, man, you can do so much to be faithful and consistent and build that testimony. And people know you belong to Christ and you're a testimony to them and continuing to draw them to Christ. And then that one time, one time, you blow it. It seems like Satan always shines a floodlight on that failure, doesn't he? And you go, man, I can't believe I did that. Your neighbors or your coworkers are like, I thought you loved Jesus. I thought you was a Christian. I thought you was supposed to be different. Right? Satan's just trying to discourage you for your failures. And just like mom said about eating, if you just get back on the wagon, put, put on Christ again. When you fail, own it. When you sin, own it. I like that we have come up with different words for sin. Well, I made a mistake. No, you, that's what happens when you get the answer wrong on the math test. That's a mistake. When you chose to sin, it was sin. We have broken God's law. We don't need to minimize it with our made-up words, but at the same time, the grace of God, where sin is, where sin abounds, grace abounds so much more. The grace of God is so amazing that I fail, and it doesn't matter if I fail little or fail big. It's still a failure. I have sinned, but the grace of God is so much bigger 
than whatever it was that I did, and he can restore me immediately, and I can put Christ back on. And whatever Satan tries to do with that ding in my armor from that messed up testimony moment, God can restore it over and over again with his grace. So don't give up when you fail, when you fail, when you fail, when you sin. It's going to happen. Don't quit. Put on Christ and get back after it. Continue in the word. When I sin, I remember, um, I think it was about junior or senior year in high school, um, let's just say that I didn't have the greatest godly testimony in my high school years. I used the fact that I went to a Christian school as a cover. I didn't have to behave like I should because we were all Christians anyways, and I was, it seemed like I was striving to be the biggest idiot and heathen on campus, and I succeeded at times. And I had this tremendous failure, and it was a thing that I said, the tongue, it was vile, it was vulgar, and I said it whispering to somebody, but somebody else heard me. As my wife will tell you, I don't whisper very quietly. And I had to be confronted by the pastor. Now, if the pastor was dealing with the students, there was a situation. And I was walking across the driveway from the gym building where the upperclassmen were over to the lockers in the middle of the campus. And right outside the gym door, you could see the church office doors and the pastor's just standing there. Hey, Stephen, why don't you come on in here? Uh-oh. So you know what? Why don't you put your backpack down there? You're not going to need that anymore. I was in big trouble. And I had no idea what I had done. I was like, okay, you know how it is when mom and dad got you and you're like, what was it? Which, which one was it? <laughs> which one did they catch me on? I got I to gotta be strategic here because I don't want to let loose everything that I've done in the last. And he calls me into the office and he begins to speak to me about something that I had said. And it, I, honestly, I couldn't remember. I just, what was it? That I, I don't. And then all of a sudden I remembered and I broke and I melted. This pastor, I. Yeah, you're right. I said that, and I, to this day, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe that came out of my mouth, but I heard someone else say it a few days before that. It was crude, it was vulgar, but it was just a little bit funny. And I never even thought of the damage that it would do to say what I said about that person. Never thought that person would ever hear me say what I said. Thankfully, by the grace of God, my mother was a second grade teacher at this Christian school. That would have been disastrous if I got kicked out. Thankfully, by the grace of God, I did not. So he sent me upstairs to talk to the elementary principal who was also the youth pastor. And he said something to me that has stuck with me ever since. He says, Steve, when we get into patterns of sin and immorality and sin takes over and wins, that's proof to us of two things. Number one, you're still in the flesh, and it's a reminder that you have not overcome sin yet. And he said, you need to, he said, you're just a young man. You're going to fight this battle your whole life. But number two, and, and this is how you remedy it, Steve. This is how you remedy. You're not spending enough time in the word and in prayer. 
That's how you give into the flesh like this. That's how you've allowed yourself to be around people who would say those things. And then when they were there, when you were around them, they said those things, it implanted in your heart and you let it come out of your mouth. That's proof that you aren't walking with God as you should. And he took a breath and that big chubby guy walked across the desk, wrapped his arms around him and said, but the grace of God, Steve, is so good. That person may not ever forgive you or forget what you said and did, but God can overcome your failure. God can overcome your sin, and he can still use you, Stephen. So lean into Christ. Run to Christ. Be intentional about your walk with him. And that's the challenge today as we consider putting on the breastplate of righteousness, as we protect the most vulnerable portion of who we are, the heart. We must choose to be people of the word, people who soak in the word regularly. We must choose to get into the word daily and allow it to change our minds and our hearts. We must choose daily to be constant in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, what does it say? Pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. When you sin, immediately pray. God, I cannot believe I did that. I am so sorry. Will you forgive me and give me the strength to overcome that and not wallow in that and not continue in that? Philippians 4, verse 4 through 7, if you want to jot that down and read it later, don't get covered up with anxiety and stress and worry and doubt because of your failures, but everything by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God and let the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your heart and mind. That's the breastplate of righteousness. Let's put it on and find victory in this spiritual warfare. I want to ask you to bow your heads and consider the word of God this morning. If you would like to respond in prayer at the altar, I want to encourage you to come. As God is challenging you and speaking to you this morning, maybe you want to pray with your spouse or your, you have a brother or sister in Christ that is your prayer partner and uh, accountability partner. Maybe there's some things in your life that you've let slack and that you need to be reminded to put on that breastplate of righteousness so that you can be pleasing to God in your walk and honor him in every day of your life. God, help us as your word has gone forth today and your spirit is moving in this place. Help us to make a priority of spending time in the word with you and letting you implant your word in our heart and change our minds and change our hearts by your word. Help us, God, to make prayer and spending time speaking to you and hearing from you a priority so that our minds and hearts can be changed and shaped by you and guarded against the temptations, guarded against the, the, the self-inflicted wounds of our sins so that we can overcome sin when we are tempted, so that we can say no to the flesh, put off the flesh, and put on Christ, say yes to honoring you and walking in the word. God, I pray that we would be people who are covered in the armor of God, ready for the spiritual battle that we face every single day, proclaiming the truth of your word everywhere we go, living a life of testimony that honors you in all that we say and do. And all God's people said, amen. Above all else, put on love, which binds everything